What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jay DeMeo, and today, guys, we are joined by Connor Shep. Connor, we're going to get right into talking return to play today. Unfortunately, it is just kind of the, the, the beast of what we do where we have the unfortunate circumstance where everyone is going to need to be involved and educated and have a great understanding of different means methods and practices that you could utilize to help your young people get back better and connor i'm really excited to sit down and talk to you about this today yeah man appreciate you having me on uh, i've been listening to you for years now reading the books going to the conferences man so you know i appreciate this opportunity yeah man well stoked to be able to get this down but before we get too far into this you know who is connor and what are you getting into bud yeah, so I'll, I'll give you the you know kind of the brief rundown. Uh, grew up in South Dakota, played football at a real small D two school back home. Um, did the whole interning route, bounced around all over the country. Uh, finally got my first full time gig at Pitts before heading back to Mississippi State to uh, then eventually with the Arizona Cardinals for a year, and then you know kind of right after COVID, I was fortunate enough to land here at Liberty University where I've been starting my third season um, as our director of applied performance and overseeing performance for our men's soccer program. It's awesome, man. It's a great little voyage there. You know, a lot of freaking absolutely sensational practitioners to learn under. And then you're stuck working, you know, with, with Rob now. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I'm joking, Robbie. I'm joking. Uh, no, I mean, first team, all good guy. One of my favorite people in the world not just in our vocation, absolute freaking stud of a coach that I don't think enough people know. But getting back to the, the task at hand here, the applied sports science side, I think is something that we all like to talk about. We all like to say what it is. We all like to say what we do with it. But I think we all have a different definition. So let's start there. What is applied sports science to Connor? Yeah, I think for me, you know, it's taking, you know, scientific principles from, you know, a variety of performance related fields, right? And, you know, creating systems for actionable data that we collect and that we can actually apply to the athletes. You know, I think, you know, like, I think when a lot of people think sports science, they think Nord boards, they think force plates, they think um, 1080s, right? And those things are great tools. And they can certainly help a practitioner and, you know, help drive some of these decisions. But at the end of the day, like, it really just comes back to systems and principles and how we can take this information that we've learned and actually apply it to the athletes and make actionable decisions as opposed to, you know, things just sitting in a spreadsheet and, you know, doing the things that look cool, um, even though it's maybe not necessarily moving the needle. That's awesome. I love the idea of it all comes back to systems and principles. Cause I think that that's not just applied sports science. I think that's freaking sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I think that's like, you know, all performance coaches are sports scientists, all sports scientists in some way are performance coaches. Like, I think like at the end of the day, it's a lot of the same things, just the lens that you view it through and maybe the work that you have to do. Right. But I think you're totally right in the fact that it's just we're really all talking about the same thing. It's just my lens is going to be a little bit different than your lens just because of the circumstances that I work under. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes these conversations fun, though. Right. Is because 
just because you work with men's soccer at Liberty and I work with men's basketball at Richmond doesn't mean that we can't have a discussion about what you're doing at Liberty and I can't say, huh, well, they're looking at catapult metrics this way. I wonder if we could turn around at the polar stuff we look at it in another angle. Mm -hmm. No doubt. But I think also what what is unique with your situation is your coaching and doing this. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this on my drive in today. Um, there's part of me that wonders in this data analytic driven, fakely driven world that we're in right now. Cause I think that a lot of people like to say that they do things with metrics and this and that, but they don't necessarily act on it as well as you brought up in your definition. Do you feel that as the strength coach as well of a team that you interpret data differently than you would if you were just say a quote applied sports scientist. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's an issue that can use some cleaning up in the field, especially on the sports science realm. Um, I think generally what I find is, you know, like as sports scientists, you generally fall into a couple different categories of like, you know, maybe guys that haven't or girls that haven't necessarily worked a whole lot in sports, but they have like a high data level IQ, how to analyze data, how to organize it, how to clean it, how to present it. But they just maybe miss out on some of those logistical aspects of it, of like what the real world actually looks like outside of a spreadsheet, right? And I think you have like those people on the other end that see everything through sport. They see everything through performance and, you know, their coach's eye, which is extremely valuable. But that doesn't mean that we can just ignore and turn our head to the data that's right in front of us, right? And I think like the cool thing about my upbringing was that like, you know, my whole career was my goal is to be a performance coach. And like, I spent the majority of that working in American football. And, you know, you know this, and you know, maybe some of your listeners don't, but like, when you work in American football on a staff, like you generally get like, assigned to one kind of specific area, right? One guy's return to play, one guy's sports science, one guy's nutrition, one guy's this, that or the other, right? And like, I had always kind of gravitated towards that sports science aspect. And man, I think like, getting to see it through that lens and having the understanding of like one, not only getting to work with like amazing practitioners from the performance realm and seeing how they operate while also getting to work with some amazing sports scientists along the way, man. Like I think I've had a pretty like unbelievably unlike unbelievably lucky experience of getting to see like, okay, like I understand the logistical aspect of like what the real world you know, looks like in performance, um, you know, what kind of time commitment is actually like required to make like actionable decisions off this data. Um, while also understanding like the importance of why we do these things and how we can kind of help bridge that gap from just, you know, isolated testing to like, okay, how can we actually help make a difference what we're doing on the field? Would you mind giving an example of that? Yeah, man, and I think, like, you know, like, the easy one for me is just, like, the communication with coaches, right? So, like, if you talk to a lot of people, man, like, if we look at, like, GPS data, internal data, whatever it is, like, a lot of people are collecting it. I, you know, and I'm just being honest, like, I don't think a lot of people are doing a whole lot of with it and actually making actionable decisions off of it. So, like, for me, like, one thing we started to do it here at Liberty on the men's soccer side is, like, creating drill libraries, right? And, like, helping our coaches understand, like, okay, like, this is the amount of work that you're getting out of this drill at this amount of distance and volume and density and intensity, right? 
and helping them understand like, okay, like these are the goals that we have for the session. And these are the methods and the tools that you have to choose from. So we can kind of get on that same page together. Right. As opposed to just like, Hey, we had a 600 average player load today. Guys were killed. We got to, we got to shut it down tomorrow. Right. Like that's just not how the real world works. So I think just like finding ways to support your coaches and actually give them like actionable information that they can like work with, man, to me, like that's ultimately where we bridge the gap in this thing. Yeah. And I think that meeting them where they want that information is important too. Right. Like I think that there are some coaches who do want that library, who do want the actionable data, but then there's also coaches like the guy I work with, like great dude. <laughs> awesome person we get along great i mean mm -hmm. shit we've worked together for 20 years yeah like there's we've worked together longer than our freshmen and sophomores have been alive <laughs> that's crazy yeah that's how old i am but he couldn't care less mm -hmm. like hey i gotta do what i gotta do it's your job to make sure they're ready so i think that we end out all too often being concerned with everyone else's metrics prior to being concerned with the metrics that we can act on and how we can then provide better, mm -hmm. you know, looking at, are there markers from practice that show that this is a one-off and people need to do recovery? Are there markers from practice that show that they've had more work? So they need more food or another smoothie or another shake or whatever. And how can you communicate that with your sports medicine practitioner so that you two can be on the best page or the best um, platform to be able to, I don't know if I want to use this term, but like double team the kid mm -hmm. so that if, you know, hey, it's a good day to get in the tub. Hey, did you grab a shake? You know, like so that you're on the same page, you know, both rowing the boat the same way because it's really easy in a field where we a lot of the times feel like we don't get the credit that we deserve, or we don't get the appreciation that we should get to turn around and immediately want to impact what other people do, as opposed to doing what we say we do. And that is being the humble servant mentality and providing the best we can to ensure what we're doing is having the kids ready for the next day. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. Cause like, you know, I'm in a pretty like fortunate situation now where I work with some people that are extremely open-minded and are really bought into everything that I'm doing. But I've also been in a lot of other places. I understand that that's just not the reality for a lot of people and a lot of sport coaches. And I think like, especially what we do, like it's so easy to just like, take the short road and just rag on the, like the sport coaches, like, Oh, they just don't get it. They don't understand. And it's like, man, like when you're a head coach of a sports program, like your capacity is so spread out between so many different things, recruiting budget, players, coaches, technical and tactical aspects. It's like now to you know throw this whole other wrinkle in there of like things that they just don't understand and that they haven't used in the past. Like, I'm going to be honest, man, like if I was in that same situation, I probably wouldn't care much either. Right. So it's like, but how can we maybe find some of those ways to like make this useful? And I think like 
one, I think what you talked about, like getting on the same page with your sports medicine staff is huge. Getting the athlete involved is huge. Helping them understand like why and what we're talking about. And then probably the area that I've had the most impact with some of this GPS data is just going through the assistance, right? And like, I, I don't want to say keeping it off the head coach's radar, but like going through them, man, like try and find ways to help them. Like, Hey guys, like, you know, maybe it's this, just this position group, or Hey, maybe it's just this drill. Like if we can find a way to just tweak it a little bit, man, I really think that that's going to pay a lot of dividends. And like, again, it just goes back to like bridging the gap of like, okay, how can we actually help make this actionable while still trying to like pull everything in the same direction as the coaches are. Yeah. I love the idea of going to the assistants too, because I think also, you know, someone who's been in college for a while, when you, when you can figure out who the assistants are that get the head coach's ear Mm. and you can find a way to communicate with them ways that they could God, this is going to sound bad. Ways they can earn more points. No doubt. Right? Like, it's all the game within the game. And I know that that probably sounds childish or that sounds like people have an alternative agenda, uh, but they do. Like, let's get past all that bullshit, right? Like, they do. So (laughs) if you can play that game with them and help them serve that aspect of their own ego, then you're winning big time. No doubt. So then let's go through this now, man. You guys are, this will end out coming back later, but let's talk about how you structure these things then. What, with the metrics that you're looking at, how are you structuring weeks? How are you structuring training sessions? How are you structuring what you're doing off the field? And then what is impacting your decisions? Yeah, I'd say, so I'd say like GPS specifically, you know, we're going to look at three things and these three things are going to be a little bit different for every sport and every coach that we kind of talk to, right? Like, again, because it ultimately just kind of comes back to like, what do they understand and what can I help them understand? So for me, like, it's going to be a volume metric, it's going to be a intensity metric, and it's going to be a density metric, right? So like, okay, how long are we going? What's the total volume of work? What is the density? Okay, so like how much, you know, work are we getting done in a given period of time? That's generally going to be like your distance per minute, player load per minute, whatever you're looking at. Um, I don't know if trip per minute is even a thing, but along those same lines, right? Just how much work are we doing in a short period of time or given period of time? And then intensity, right? Of just like, okay, how hard was it? What was our high speed distance? Like what kind of like high speed accelerations and decelerations did we build up over that practice? right and then like so for me it's like organizing like okay what stressors do we want to hit on a given day right and I think like where it becomes interesting in sports like you know soccer and even men's basketball where like you know you don't have this like Saturday to Saturday schedule where we play one game a week and um, you know we can really like periodize things out like I I think you have to be pretty tactical right because we don't really understand one like yeah we may have a decent idea of the schedule but we don't necessarily understand how they're going to respond to that schedule. Right. So I think keeping like an open, like a very like openly tactical mind of like, okay, like we know what tools we have, we know what kind of stressors they elicit. And then how can we as, you know, coaches and support staff identify like what is it that these athletes need on that given day. Right. And then, so for us, we just try to keep it simple in terms of like red light, 
uh, yellow light and green light, high, moderate, low, right? You know, if we're minus one, plus one, we're probably going to be low, right? We got to recover. We got to get prepared for the next game, right? And those are going to be a little bit different. Day before a game, probably a little bit more intense, really short and sharp. Day after a game, maybe a little bit longer, but the intensity is so low that it doesn't really matter. You know, two days out, um, plus or minus, going to be, you know, somewhere in that middle there, going to be a little bit more short-sighted, a little bit more dense. And then for three to four three to four days, plus or minus, we know that we can get after it a little bit because we also have to find a way to maintain that training effect and that chronic load that we've built up over the season so we can still perform when it matters most. I love that. And I love the ideas of the minus one plus one and how that's set up because, you know, it's the same thing with like a fast Friday slash primer slash whatever you want to call it, you know, be fast, be intent, intentive and Mm -hmm. be quick on the game day minus one rebuild, recover, regain on the game day plus one. Love everything about that. So now let's go back to what we were talking about earlier, man. When we were talking about return to play, how does this, information these metrics and all of that impact your philosophy slash principles and systems that you utilize with return to sport yeah so i think like the most important thing that we do and like where i spend the majority of my time is just baseline assessments of all of our athletes that come in right so like with my role you know i technically oversee you know 500 athletes um on the olympic side here so i work in like really every athlete besides football and like for me it's like okay how can we bring them in, get a baseline understanding of like, okay, who is this athlete? Where have they been? What are they good at? What do they maybe struggle at? Where can we maybe bridge the gap over this, you know, long-term career, you know, development plan that we should be putting together for all of our athletes. Right. But then when injury, let's be honest, like is going to occur at some point for the majority of these athletes, hopefully it's not, you know, anything too extreme, but in some of these more chronic cases, like, okay, now we at least have an understanding of like where they were at. And then now we can reassess like, okay, where are we? Where were we? Where do we need to go? And like, how do we need to get there? Right. So it's no different than any other plan, right. You know, periodization and, you know, regardless of what your opinion is on it, like I think just having some sort of systematic plan with, you know, benchmarks, exit criteria, specific methods, you know, for that phase and that specific injury And then just reverse engineering the process of like, okay, this is where they were. This is where they're at now. Okay. How can we incrementally work them back to that? And hopefully above that actually, because we know if they got hurt at that, you know, level of preparedness, like, okay, we need to understand that we probably need to even raise that level to make sure that this thing doesn't happen again. Right. So I think just incrementally working them back and just taking like super simple, you know, linear periodization models that are built in my opinion for, some of these long-term cases, man, I, I just think it's like, it's almost built for it. And you know what I've had a lot of success with so far. So when looking at those pre injury metrics, mm-hmm. are there any that you look at with the thought process of, I, this is a terrible word, identifying where improvement is needed because it may have been a precursor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, you know, like you gotta be a little bit careful, right? Like I think like, you know, the more and more, like the longer we get into this field, I think like, 
you know, I've been in a relatively short time, like coming seven, eight, nine years now, to be honest, it's all kind of a blur at this point, which I know for years, nothing, but, uh, man, I, I just think like, you gotta be a little bit careful, right? Because like, we've all worked with athletes that, you know, move a certain way, have this deficiency, uh, have this issue, right? And then they make it their whole career without anything happening, right? Versus like one athlete, well, they have this going on and, you know, injury occurs and they had this deficiency and it's like, well, was that actually the reason why it happened? And I would say in most cases, it's probably part of it. But I think we understand that like, it's always going to be a multitude of factors, right? And so what I think like more so what I tend to see is just like, we start to see general trends among certain athletes, certain sports, certain training ages they're just inherently going to be more susceptible to certain things and try to fill those buckets as gradually and as consistently as we can. Um, especially in some of these long-term like return to play processes. And that's the cool thing about it. Like sports pretty chaotic. And if you've ever worked on the Olympic side, you know, like you have, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners have like these sports are never like they're really year round, right? Like there's no such thing as like, they never get away from SPP. Right. Like it's a lot of country club sports, basketball, it's, you know, with this AAU culture, soccer, it's like same thing. Like my guys leave in the summer and go play for travel teams. Right. And like they never really get away from the sport. So like the opportunity that I'm going to have them isolated without really any like sporting volume to compete with is probably going to happen during some of these long-term like rehab scenario cases where like we can truly make a difference and start to fill some of these buckets that they're, extremely deficient in that we may not otherwise be able to do during you know a season or during the limited you know time of off season that we get with them just because they are filling so much of their bucket with that sporting volume yeah it makes really that general bucket uh not just vital but like massive mm -hmm. So then let's kind of circle back when you're talking about those things in those buckets that you're filling and, and identifying where these people are in, in their rehab progressions. Um, all of it hits home with the one by 20 guy, you know, the linear mm -hmm. progression, the step-by-step, -step, the having, you know, checkpoints and, and places that you need to hit and move on to. But when you're looking at these, how much of these profiles that you're putting together um, are you comparing how the individual is a one-off in that situation, right? Because we could look at it, and, and I think that these profiles that we build out about, like, what is a basketball player, for example, like, I think those are great. But if you look at three of the fastest people of all time, right? Bolt, Michael Johnson, and then Flojo, right? She's still got records. They don't run it remotely closely to the same. No. They're not built remotely closely to the same. So where then do some of these models that we would like to see um, impact the one-offs and where do the one-offs impact the models? Man, that's a great question. Um, what I'll start with that is I'll just say is like N equals one, right? Like 
I think in sports, especially when you're working in the team setting, it's easy to get lost in the idea that you're working with one team um, made up of 30 individuals. When in reality, you're working with three individuals that make 30 individuals that make up one team, right? Like every athlete's going to be different, whether that's training age, whether that's, you know, sex, um, overall physical development, anatomical structures, all these different things are going to play into a facet of it. And I think that's where like the art of coaching actually comes back into this, you know, where we start to blend some of that like art with the science piece aspect and start to identify like, okay, like first looking at this athlete and identifying like, okay, like who are they as an athlete, right? In comparison to, you know, maybe some of their teammates, maybe some of the sports that they play, like we need to start with the athlete first and then work our way back. Right. And vice versa, instead of starting with, okay, this is a basketball player who's really strong. Well, it's like, well, what does that mean? And what does that mean for him? Right. So I think like starting with the individual and then working your way back from there, because like, that's the thing in these long-term scenarios, right? Like we have the time to get them back to that SPP. We can really start to slow things down and identify like, okay, like what is it this specific athlete needs? And how do we tailor it to them early on in the process? Yeah, I love it, man. And then I think combining the subjective with the objective there really gives you a great roadmap to be able to make not just the best decisions for it to happen in a timely manner, but the best decisions for the entire process to flow smoothly and be progressive for the individual to the individual that's the whole point of like the baseline process like you know the first day that we have clearance with our athletes they're all going to go through some sort of baseline assessment right and that's going to be a little bit different for each team right but like at the end of the day for me man like it's less about like chasing performance and just giving us like a baseline idea of like where this athlete is so like we understand like who that end of end of one is and how we can work them back yeah, man. I mean, that's that's the goal. Get them back, get them back healthy, get them back better, and then hopefully in the next off season, build them into a better version of what they could be. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, Connor, let me get you out of here on this, man. This has been a great thirty minutes. So, where can people see what you're doing? Where can they keep up with you? And, and where can they find out more of what's going on? Yeah, so um, starting to share a little bit of stuff out online, um, Instagram, Twitter, just at Connor Shep, C-O-N-N-O-R-S-C-H-O-E-P-P. I love it, man. We'll make sure we have that in the notes and keep doing what you're doing down there, brother. Always rooting for you guys. You guys are always putting out great stuff, always doing great things for the kids and really excited to see what you guys continue to build out there. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you, Jay. Thanks for uh, letting me come on here and talk, share a little bit. Yeah, brother. We'll appreciate your time and we'll be in touch real soon. Awesome. Thanks, Coach. And as always, thank you for everything y'all do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another awesome guest. We'll see you then.